Liftoff and the clock has started. This is 20 minutes you'll never get back. Thank you very much, Tim. He's right. My name is Doug Prezak, and you are, in fact, listening to 20 minutes you'll never get back. I promise you're just not going to get these 20 minutes back. But, you know, you decided to kind of throw them my way, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate Tim from Moline, Illinois, being uh, this episode's announcer. We have a lot of uh, listeners from Moline. And uh, Tim was sounded kind of scary there, so uh, do not mess with him. Now, did you guys miss me? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, I try to do these episodes and get them posted every Friday or Saturday. And I've been doing this for 22 weeks now. And last week, I did not post an episode. Did you notice? And I apologize because I was really busy. Um, I was busy doing absolutely nothing. What I should have been doing was recording this episode, but nothing sounded good to me. Literally doing nothing and I didn't have any topics floating around in my head. It was a, actually just a very zero week in my head last week. But now here I am. And uh, if you miss me, then here's a great way if you want to know when, in fact, I've, I've gotten off my keister and recorded a new episode. And that is to uh, fire up that Instagram machine, you know, and then if you plug in uh, the number 20 and then follow that with M-Y-N-G-B, that's 20 minutes you'll never get back. That way, you'll know when I've uh, posted something and it's up for you to listen to. You don't have to sit around and wait and guess and waste in any more minutes. You're already wasting 20 minutes with me. So, you know, why waste more? Sign up for that and you'll find out when things are happening. Also, uh, you know, tell your friends. Tell them about it. Have them sign up. Have them follow me. And then they can listen to the podcast. I can get more than the 38 listeners I have right now. Okay, enough of that. You know, it's Instagram, 20 minutes, you'll never get back, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Let's, uh, here's, here's today's show. I was walking around a store yesterday, a store that shall rename name nameless because they don't sponsor me, but I'll just say it rhymes with Walmart. Anyway, I noticed that uh, Halloween was gone and Christmas is up, but mixed into Christmas was all the Thanksgiving turkey, everything's orange and brown. And that got me thinking, I, I know a little bit about Thanksgiving. I mean, I know Mayflower, Pilgrims, Indians, First Feast, uh, past, past the cranberry sauce. But uh, I didn't know much more than that. So you know what happened next. Go ahead and say it with me. I did some research so you don't have to. Let's talk about Thanksgiving a little bit here. Now, way back in September of 1620, a little tiny wooden ship called the Mayflower, it left Plymouth, England, and it had 102 people on board. Now, they were an assortment of uh, uh, people. They included religious separatists who were looking for a new home where they could kind of freely practice their faith. And it also had individuals aboard who were kind of lured by the promise of uh, prosperity and, and, and riches in the uh, land ownership of the new world. Now, it was a very rough and dangerous crossing. It was a seasick-filled boat uh, bobbing around the ocean. And after 66 days... They dropped anchor near the tip of Cape Cod. They landed far north of their intended destination at the mouth of the Hudson River. A month later, the Mayflower set sail again, and this time they crossed Massachusetts Bay, and that's where the pilgrims began the work of establishing their new village at Plymouth. Now, the first winter was brutal, and most of the colonists remained up on board the ship, and that's where they suffered from exposure and scurvy and outbreaks of contagious disease. Now, only about half of the Mayflower's original passengers and crew lived to see the first New England spring. 
in March, they said, you know, it's time to get off this freaking boat. And the remaining settlers moved ashore. And that's when they received a visit from an Abenaki Native American who greeted them in English. Several days later, he returned with another Native American named Squanto. Now, Squanto was a member of the Pawtuxet tribe. Squanto had been kidnapped by an English sea captain and sold into slavery before escaping to London and then returned back to his homeland on an exploratory expedition. Now, the pilgrims were in pretty bad shape because of the malnutrition and illness, and Squanto taught them how to cultivate corn, extract sap from maple trees, how to catch fish in the rivers, and avoid poisonous plants. (laughs) Good idea, avoid the poisonous plants. He also helped the settlers forge an alliance with the Wampanoag tribe. After the pilgrims' first corn harvest in November of 1621 proved successful, Governor William Bradford organized a celebratory feast and invited a group of the uh, fledgling colony's Native American allies, including the chief from the Wampanoag tribe, Massasoit. If you're a member of the Wampanoag uh, ancestry, I apologize if I botched up that name. Now, this particular celebration is known as America's, quote, first Thanksgiving, and the festival lasted for three days. While no record exists of the first Thanksgiving's exact menu, historians have suggested that many of the dishes were likely prepared using the traditional Native American spices and cooking methods. Yeah, because the pilgrims didn't have an oven. The pilgrims held their second Thanksgiving celebration in 1623, a year later, go figure, to mark the end of a long drought that had threatened the year's harvest. And that prompted good old Governor Bradford to call for a religious fast. Now, days of fasting and Thanksgiving on an annual or occasional basis became kind of commonplace in other New England settlements as well. During the American Revolution, the Continental Congress designated one or more days of Thanksgiving a year. And in 1789, George Washington, he issued the first Thanksgiving proclamation by the national government of the United States. In it, he called upon Americans to express their gratitude for the happy conclusion to the country's war of independence and the successful ratification of the U.S. Constitution. His successors, John Adams and James Madison, also designated days of thanks during their presidencies. Now, for some scholars, the jury is still out on whether the feast at Plymouth really constituted, you know, the first Thanksgiving in the United States. Historians have recorded that other ceremonies of thanks among European settlers in North America that predate the Pilgrim celebration. For instance, in 1565, Spanish explorer Pedro Menendez de Avilla invited members of the local Temecua tribe to dinner in St. Augustine, Florida, after holding a mass to thank God for his crew's safe arrival. On December 4th of 1619, when 38 British settlers reached a site known as Berkeley Hundred on the banks of Virginia's James River, they read a proclamation designated the date as, quote, a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. Now, I'm not going to gloss over some Thanksgiving controversy. There are some Native Americans and others who take issue, you know, with how the Thanksgiving story is being presented to the American public and especially to you know, kids in school. In their view, the traditional narrative paints sort of a deceptively sunny portrait of relations between the pilgrims and the Wampanoag people, ignoring the long and kind of tragic history of the conflict between Native Americans and European settlers 
that resulted in the de- literally the death of tens of thousands of Native Americans. Since 1970, protesters have gathered on the day designated as Thanksgiving at the top of Coles Hill, which overlooks Plymouth Rock, to commemorate, quote, a national day of mourning. Similar events are held in other parts of the country as well. I just wanted to make sure we took note of the impact the expansion from Europe to the United States had on the Native Americans. So let's just be clear about that. Moving on. Although the American concept of Thanksgiving developed in the colonies of New England, its roots actually can be traced back to the other side of of the pond there. Both the separatists who came over on the Mainflower and the Puritans who were hot on their heels and arrived after that, they brought with them a uh, tradition of providential holidays, kind of like days of fasting during difficult or pivotal moments and days of feasting and celebration to thank God for the times of plenty. Moving ahead to 1817, New York actually became the first of several states to officially adopt an annual Thanksgiving holiday, but each state celebrated on a different day. Ten years later, in 1827, there was a noted magazine editor and writer named Sarah Josepha Hale. Uh, You may not know her, but you do know one of her works. It was a nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. I digressed. Anyway, she launched a campaign to establish Thanksgiving as a national holiday. And for 36 years, she published numerous editorials and sent scores of letters to governors and senators and presidents and other politicians, earning her the nickname, the mother of Thanksgiving. Well, Abraham Lincoln finally heeded her request in 1863 at the height of the Civil War in a proclamation entreating all Americans to ask God to, quote, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, and sufferers in the lamentable civil strife, and to, quote, heal the wounds of the nation. He scheduled Thanksgiving for the final Thursday in November, and it was celebrated on that day until the year of 1939, and that's when Franklin D. Roosevelt moved the holiday up a week in order to spur retail sales during the Great Depression. Well, Roosevelt's plan did not exactly go over very well. As a matter of fact, it was known as Franksgiving. Uh, There was passionate opposition to it. And in 1941, the president reluctantly signed a bill making Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday in November. And that's how it's stuck ever since then. Here in the United States, the Thanksgiving celebration has lost a lot of its religious significance, if you will. And instead, we've turned more to giving thanks to our family and our friends and things we've accomplished and what we have. We celebrate with uh, all kinds of food, gigantic balloons floating down the uh, Broadway in New York, and of course, football. Okay, I think this is a great place to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, Thanksgiving food feast we'll all be facing. And of course, tryptophan. Uh, the turkey hangover. So don't go away. I will be right back. The kitchens of today can be more beautiful in 1949 because this year there's a better, brighter, self-polishing floor wax. It's 1949 Glow Coat. Yes, bright as it's always been, this year Glow Coat is brighter than ever, better than any. Try 1949 Glow Coat on your linoleum this week. Now, if you go to the store to get some glow coat, uh, don't make a mistake and get the 2020 version. You need to get the 1949 version because that guy just said so. 
All right, back to the show. Just before the break, I, I talked about the giant balloons uh, in, in New York, and that got me thinking, are they going to do a Thanksgiving Day parade this year with all the COVID restrictions and lockdowns? The answer is, <laughs> yes, they are. According to the producers who put the show on, uh, while normally it takes place in the streets of Manhattan, billions of people watching this year, it's going to be focused on Herald Square, and the only way you're going to be able to see it is on television. The producers say, quote, viewers will still see the balloons. They're still going to see all the floats. You're still going to see Santa and Broadway and all the elements they're used to seeing every single year. They might have some slight differences, but it's going to be the parade they know and love. The 2019 parade had between 8,000 and 10,000 participants, including performers, staff, and balloon handlers. The workforce this year will be cut by about 70%, down to less than 2,000 people who will film segments over two days, with some of the segments filmed on Wednesday the 25th and the majority of the action airing live on Thanksgiving. The parade's large character balloons are typically anchored by 80 to 100 people. This year, they'll be anchored by five vehicles. So not to worry, anybody, you will have the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's just going to look a little different, according to them. All right, it's time to sit down at the big table. It's time for food. Make sure you're wearing your stretchy pants. You know, Thanksgiving is often referred to as Turkey Day. But the use of turkey in the United States for Thanksgiving actually precedes Lincoln's nationalization back in 1863. By 1857, turkey had become part of the traditional dinner throughout households in the United States. Uh, In 1887, the White House cookbook had the following menu. Oysters on the half shell. Cream chicken soup, okay, fried smelt, oh, hell no, roast turkey, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, baked squash, boiled onions, parsnip fritters, I don't think I've ever heard of a parsnip fritter, pumpkin pie, mince pie, charlotte russe, what, charlotte, um, someone help me with charlotte, I thought that was a store in the mall, I, on, honest to God. I don't even know what Charlotte Russe is. I'll have to look that up after this. I'll do some research so you don't have to. Anyway, almond ice cream and lemon jelly. <laughs> okay, avoid Thanksgiving at the White House. Uh, turkey, obviously, uh, is 90% Americans eat turkey on, on Thanksgiving, whether it's roasted, baked, or deep fried. Uh, the deep fried turkey is kind of rising in popularity. If you've seen the piles and piles of uh, oil cubes you can find at the store, uh, it's a shorter preparation time, but it carries certain safety risks like burning down your house. Most Thanksgiving turkeys are stuffed with a bread based mixture called stuffing that has, you know, bread and celery and carrots and onions and sometimes spices and sage tends to be the one that's most popular for that. But there are also regional differences to the stuffing or dressing, by the way. If, if the mixture is prepared outside of the turkey, it's known as dressing, just, just so you know. The common version includes white bread cubes, sage, onion, celery, parsley. Southerners, Southerners generally make their dressing from a cornbread, while those in other parts of the country kind of opt for wheat, rye, or sourdough bread. Uh, different people include uh, chopped nuts and, and crumbled sausage or bacon, and sometimes people add turkey giblets. We did that. The kids loved it. And then they found out what giblets are, and now they don't touch them. If you don't know what giblet is, look it up. The consumption of turkey on Thanksgiving is so ingrained in our culture that each year since 1947, the National Turkey Federation has presented a live turkey to the President of the United States prior to each Thanksgiving. 
These turkeys were initially, uh, let's just say, cooked and eaten for the president's Thanksgiving dinner. But since 1989, uh, the presented turkeys have typically been given a pardon and to a great fanfare and then sent off to a park to live out the rest of their short lives. Disney jumped in on that action, and they would take the uh, pardoned turkeys, uh, usually a pair of them, and they would fly them first class out to uh, Anaheim, where they had a special area set up where you could see the pardoned turkeys. Uh, after a month, they became the famous turkey legs. So you can, oh, I'm just kidding. I made that up. I'm sorry. That's, that's not true. I don't know what happened to the turkeys uh, after a month or so. You can draw your own conclusions. There are, of course, alternatives to turkey. Uh, a lot of people have uh, baked ham. There's roast goose, duck, and in a few areas on the West Coast, the United States, Dungeness crab is very common as an alternate main dish, and that's primarily because crab season starts in early November. And, of course, vegetarians and vegans have uh, tofu. <laughs> I'll pass. Thank you. And, of course, what Thanksgiving dinner would not be complete without side dishes? My executive producer says, I really don't care about the turkey. For me, Thanksgiving is about the side dishes. Now, besides the traditional uh, dressing or stuffing, depending on where you prepare it, inside the bird or outside the bird, besides that, you know, there's always the gravy and mashed potatoes. And cranberry sauce is a very common, very popular thing. Now, I recently had some cranberry sauces prepared by a member of my family, and she forgot to put the sugar in. Let me tell you, a spoonful of that was like eating unsweetened sour candy with a lemon juice chaser. Uh, it was a very swift kick in the cranberries when I ate that. Um, I, I'm not certain. I think my throat seized up a little bit on that one. So it was, a, it was an interesting take on cranberry sauce. It, you listeners out there, you must have at one time had the famous green bean casserole. That was invented in 1955 by the Campbell Soup Company to promote the use of its new cream of mushroom soup. And somehow it's become a Thanksgiving standard. Other things like our roasted vegetables, uh, beets, no. Turnips, no. Radishes, no. Asparagus, no. Brussels sprouts, no. Cauliflower, no. Okay, so I guess for me it's just cranberry sauce, sweetened cranberry sauce, <laughs> dressing, and mashed potatoes. Uh, if you're in the West Coast, sometimes you might have a fresh salad to go with it because, you know, you are the West Coast. And let's not forget the famous candied yams or sweet potatoes. You know that orange crap that's all mushed together into a bowl, and then they put they try and fake it by putting some marshmallows on top and then toast it in the oven. So you get that really kind of sweet, nice, you know, campfire smoked uh, marshmallow, and then you hit that orange stuff underneath it. That's the most disgusting stuff. I would rather have orange wall paste than have to eat that. And then this weekend, I tried somebody's sweet potatoes. And I got to tell you, they were, <laughs> they were pretty good. So I'm eating my words. I'm eating the sweet potatoes. Uh, as long as they're cubed and cut up. Was mash? No, no. And if all that wasn't enough, then, of course, you hit the dessert menu. And you have the traditional pumpkin pie. Everybody has pumpkin pie, except for Doug. No pumpkin pie. There's a mincemeat pie. I don't even want to know what mincemeat is. I know there's raisins involved. I don't know what the meat is. Don't want to know. Don't tell me. Cherry pie. Okay. Chocolate cream pie and pecan pie. Uh, those are all the dessert items. Now, most Thanksgiving dinners traditionally are held because there's so much food. They're held like one o'clock in the afternoon, maybe two o'clock in the afternoon. 
So you pig out with all that, all the sides, uh, all the food that's orange that I don't like. And then after that, the tryptophan kicks in and you go into a turkey coma stupor. You're sitting on the couch. You think you're watching a football game. You're really not because you are out of it. You're gone. And then you wake up sometime around six o'clock. Well, the good news is there is a crap ton of leftovers uh, from the the dinner. So now you get what's called the second Thanksgiving dinner about six o'clock. And <laughs> you pile in some more some more tryptophan. So uh, you wake up sometime in December. So there you go. A little history on Thanksgiving. Now, I, I'm way over it. I see it's 20 minutes and 46 seconds already, but that's okay. I didn't actually do a show last week, so you guys owe me 20 minutes. I won't use all of it, but thank you for the extra time. Uh, and let's see, what have we learned this episode? Well, we learned that when the pilgrims arrived in 1620, they didn't just open up a folding table and have a buffet with the Indians. No, it took a year for that to happen. We learned that Charlotte Russe is something you eat. It's not just a store in the mall. Um, I still have to find out what that is. We learned that FDR tried to jack with uh, the Thanksgiving day and move it up a week. Shame on you. And lastly, uh, here's something that I did mention, but you now know Thanksgiving is officially the start of eggnog season. And here's something that we can all finally be thankful for in 2020. It's almost over. That will bring this episode to a close. Enjoy Thanksgiving, however you spend it. And I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes, or in this case, 21 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine, it's at 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20MinutesPodcast.com. So it's 20MinutesPodcast.com, and uh, you can... Uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take, take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye.